Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about acute left ventricular failure and pulmonary edema. And if you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, you can follow along at zerodefinals.com slash acute LVF or in the cardiology section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. You'll come across acute left ventricular failure often during your medical jobs and it occurs when the left ventricle is unable to adequately move blood through the left side of the heart and out into the body. This causes a backlog of blood, much like too many buses waiting to pick people up from a bus stop, that increases the amount of blood stuck in the left atrium, the pulmonary veins and the lungs. As the vessels in these areas are engorged with blood due to the increased volume and pressure, they leak fluid and are unable to absorb fluid from the surrounding tissues. This causes pulmonary edema, which is where the lung tissue and alveoli become full of interstitial fluid. This interferes with normal gas exchange in the lungs and causes shortness of breath, reduced oxygen saturations and other signs and symptoms of pulmonary edema. So what are the triggers for acute left ventricular failure? It can be aertrogenic, for example, caused by aggressive intravenous fluids given to frail elderly patients with impaired left ventricular function. It can be caused by sepsis, myocardial infarction, or arrhythmias. So how does it present? Well, acute left ventricular failure typically presents with rapid onset breathlessness, and this is exacerbated by lying flat and it improves with sitting up. Acute left ventricular failure causes a type 1 respiratory failure, meaning there's low oxygen without an increase in carbon dioxide in the blood. The symptoms are shortness of breath, looking and feeling unwell, and a cough with frothy white or pink sputum. On examination, you might see an increased respiratory rate, reduced oxygen saturations, tachycardia, a third heart sound, bilateral basal crackles, which sound wet when you auscultate the chest, and hypotension can occur in severe cases, and this is known as cardiogenic shock. There may also be signs and symptoms related to the underlying cause, for example, chest pain in acute coronary syndrome, a fever in sepsis, or palpitations with arrhythmias. If they also have right-sided heart failure, you could find a raised jugular venous pressure or JVP caused by a backlog on the right side of the heart leading to an engorged internal jugular vein in the neck. And you may see peripheral edema in the ankles, the legs and the sacrum. Now for a quick Tom tip. When you're on the wards and a nurse asks you to review a patient that's just started desaturating, ask yourself how much fluid has that patient been given and whether they will be able to cope with that amount of fluid. For example, an 85-year-old lady with chronic kidney disease and aortic stenosis is prescribed 2 litres of fluid over 4 hours and then starts to drop her oxygen saturations. This is a common scenario and a dose of IV fruzamide can work like magic to clear some of that fluid and ease their breathing. So how would you work up a patient who is presenting with possible pulmonary edema? Firstly, take a history and clinical examination, do an ECG to look for arrhythmias and ischemia, an arterial blood gas or ABG to diagnose respiratory failure, 
a chest x-ray may show chest x-ray findings of pulmonary edema, routine blood tests for infection, kidney function, BNP blood tests, and consider a troponin if you're suspecting a myocardial infarction, and an echocardiogram to assess the left ventricular function. Let's talk about investigations. If the clinical presentation is acute left ventricular failure, then initiate treatment before the diagnosis is confirmed by a BNP or echo. Without treatment, they may deteriorate before getting the investigations. Let's talk about a B-type natriuretic peptide or BNP blood test. B-type natriuretic peptide or BNP is a hormone that's released from the heart ventricles when the cardiac muscle or the myocardium is stretched beyond the normal range. Finding a high result indicates that the heart is overloaded with blood beyond its normal capacity to pump effectively. The action of BNP is to relax the smooth muscle in the blood vessels and this reduces the systemic vascular resistance, making it easier for the heart to pump blood through the system. BNP also acts on the kidneys as a diuretic to promote the excretion of more water in the urine, and this reduces the circulating volume and helps to improve the function of the heart. Testing for the BNP is a sensitive but not specific test, and this means that when the result is negative, it's useful in ruling out heart failure, but it can be positive due to other causes. And other causes of a raised BNP include tachycardia, sepsis, pulmonary embolism, renal impairment, and COPD. Let's talk about an echocardiogram or an echo. And this is a useful investigation in assessing the function of the left ventricle and assessing for any structural abnormalities in the heart. The main measure of the left ventricular function is the ejection fraction. And this is the percentage of blood in the left ventricle that's squeezed out with each ventricular contraction. An ejection fraction of above 50% is considered normal. Next, let's talk about chest x-ray findings in left ventricular failure and pulmonary edema. Cardiomegaly on a chest x-ray is defined as a cardiothoracic ratio of more than 0.5. And this is when the diameter of the widest part of the heart or the widest part of the cardiac silhouette, is more than half the diameter of the widest part of the lung fields. Upper lobe venous diversion may also be seen on a chest x-ray in pulmonary edema. Usually when standing erect, the lower lobe veins contain more blood, and the upper lobe veins contain relatively less blood. In left ventricular failure, there's such a back pressure of blood that the upper lobe veins also fill with blood and become engorged, and this is referred to as upper lobe diversion. This is visible as increased prominence and diameter of the upper lobe vessels on a chest x-ray. Fluid leaking from edematous lung tissue causes additional x-ray findings of bilateral pleural effusions, fluid in the interlobar fissures, and fluid in the septal lines, which are called curly lines and these are seen as small lines coming in from the edge of the lung fields. So how do we manage left ventricular failure and pulmonary edema? You can use the simple mnemonic poor sod to remember the management of acute LVF. Poor means pour away or stop their IV fluids and then S is for sit up 
O is for oxygen and D is for diuretics. It's important to sit the patient up because when they're lying flat, the fluid in the lungs spread to a larger area. When sitting upright, gravity takes the fluid to the bases, leaving the upper lungs clear for better gas exchange. Oxygen is used if the oxygen saturations are falling to below 95%. As always, you need to be cautious with oxygen in patients who have COPD. Diuretics, for example, intravenous frusamide, 40 milligrams given as a stat dose, can help reduce the circulating volume and mean that the heart is less overloaded, allowing it to pump more effectively. It's also important to monitor the fluid balance by measuring the fluid intake, the urine output, and a daily body weight. It's also worth measuring the urinary blood tests. And this is because you want to strike a balance between not making the patient dehydrated and not having them fluid overloaded so that the lungs are full of fluid and they develop pulmonary edema. Other options to consider in severe acute pulmonary edema or cardiogenic shock, which are not routinely used, include intravenous opiates. And opiates such as morphine act as vasodilators, but they're not routinely recommended. Non-invasive ventilation or NIV with continuous positive airway pressure or CPAP involves using a tight-fitting mask to forcefully blow air into the lungs and this helps open the airways and alveoli to improve gas exchange. If NIV doesn't work, they may need full intubation and ventilation. Inotropes, for example, an infusion of noradrenaline may be used. And inotropes strengthen the force of the heart contraction and improve heart failure. However, they need close titration and monitoring. So by this point, you would need to send the patient to the local coronary care unit, the high dependency unit, or the intensive care unit. So thanks for listening to this episode on acute left ventricular failure and pulmonary edema. A big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing this podcast, as always. If you found this podcast helpful and you want written notes on this topic and all the other topics, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of the Zero to Finals Medicine book. It's got detailed and concise notes on 10 specialties in medicine and is designed specifically to contain the key facts and guidelines you need for your medical exams. You can also find a copy of the Zero to Finals Pediatrics book, which is now available on Amazon and contains all the key topics you need for your pediatrics exams. You can also find a full audiobook version of the Zero to Finals Medicine book on Audible, available now to download. So you can take all the topics with you in audio form and listen from cover to cover or to individual chapters or topics. Don't forget you can find all the notes, videos, illustrations and questions completely free on the Zero to Finals website at zerodefinals.com. And I hope you tune in for the next episode, which will be on chronic heart failure.